0: You're listening to Radio Primavera Sound. Proudly presented by Kukra
1: To the weekly review. The radio show where a published author, a himbo, and a savvy young trend detective gather round a table to discuss some of the latest topics in pop culture. This week... Our attentions were kidnapped briefly from Motomami by Charlie XCX, Aldous Harding, Arcade Fire, Top Boy, and the movie King Richard. As William Blake once wrote in his poem for his war songs for Englishmen, Prepare, prepare the iron helm of war. Bring forth the lots, cast in the spacious orb. The angel of fate turns them with mighty hands and casts them out upon the darkened earth. Prepare, prepare, prepare your hands for death's cold hand. Prepare, prepare... Oh, fuck it, let's get on with it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite interview.
1: you're listening to one of the latest tracks of charlie xcx's album crash this is beg for you and uh it's uh, an album that we're going to talk about now uh first i want to hear what ben has to say about crash
3: i have a feeling this is an album we're going to argue about today Um, i can feel an argument brewing after the Rosalia
1: controversy last week, I reckon <laughs> this, is, this is.
2: It is a controversy.
1: Hang on, how uh, is is Ben getting a lot of hate on TikTok?
2: Ben, this is news to you, but oh you're God. not being laughed on TikTok. What's happened? <laughs> because I posted a a, <laughs> a like segment. A, a, yeah, a segment, and with you were like, yeah, Rosalia is not big at all oh, because she's sh- not big in the US and in the UK, and people are like, people that in 2021 think that being big means being big in these two specific countries are very 2000 and late and it's like <sighs> they kind of have a point but i know you didn't mean that and and you like retracted and explained further but you cannot explain further in a tiktok
3: do you know what mark i don't care i'm all about the engagement if i've got engagement i don't exactly. i don't care they can <laughs> stick it up there tic- well do you know who else i'm um, uh, i've managed to incite with my rosalie comments who <laughs> my wife she did not like <gasps> me saying that Rosalia was was not big in... um
1: Really? But you, you explained it very well, because your theory was that, look, she only had one top hit in the UK and none in the US, and that was your way of calibrating her... Yeah, but you know how
3: discourse goes in 2022, don't you? It's like, say something, react, react, react. Don't listen to anyone explaining what it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's what TikToks doing. Oh, lovely. Well, Yep. I'm, I'm, I do have a TikTok account somewhere. I'll see if I can pick up
2: some. some <laughs> yeah, you more. can respond to the comments like, "Wow, no, yeah, I love the UK and the US." <laughs>
3: <laughs> exactly. Well, <laughs>
2: that was your point, exactly.
3: Yeah, uh, I had uh, I, I, I tried to explain it to my wife yesterday, but for reasons we're going to go we're going to go into later, I had um another argu another culture argument with my wife. Oh. Uh, last night, yeah, yeah. About, about King about, Richard. About King Richard. Or spurred on by King Richard. But, but
2: first, Adan- let's fight about Charlie. <laughs> okay. uh, yeah,
1: sorry, sorry. <laughs> but it it ties in because this concept of popularity is is always interesting when we're talking about pop stars, right? Pop stars become very massive and uh, they're able to to bring interesting subjects to the table. People don't only argue about their success. People argue about song lyrics about that, that maybe deal in things that affect us all. But Charlie XCX... I get the feeling that she should be as big as Rosalia maybe or bigger or as big as Dua Lipa, but she's never really up there. And how do I, how be, can, be, I be, can I make this? Can I bring you a news
3: flash? Sorry, okay. I meant to
1: say this. And you can take this to TikTok,
3: Mark. <laughs> um Okay, you know how like you have like in, in the UK charts they, they bring out midweeks, which are like so how much something has sold in the first half of the week to yeah. say when the al- where the album is gonna arrive in the UK charts or give a good prediction of it. This does have a point, sorry. Charlie XCX, one. Number one, Rosalia. Go not take a guess.
1: 20.
2: But Rosalia must be one, too, because she got number one in the world album. In the UK, what? though.
1: In the UK. In the UK. only well, All that matters is the UK, Mark. Yeah, the, never mind. Yeah, <laughs> Daniela, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Australia. That Australia.
3: Two. <laughs> 32.
1: 32. 32. mommy
2: Then, look at that. The UK, you can... And stick it up because <laughs> because Rosalia is number one in the world. That means and the UK doesn't have like a valid opinion in what the world thinks. Because I know. if she got 32 in the UK, but in number one in the world overall, that means the UK doesn't really have much to but say.
1: But that also has to do with that. Uh, Latin pop in the UK is not really no. a trendy thing. Like, I do remember English girls singing Despacito, like mm-hmm. one summer in Benidorm or something, I don't know, where, no, Benicassim. Uh, well, was it, it was, anyway, they were singing Despacito and it was really funny listening to English girls singing Despacito because, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know, it was just very funny. Um, sorry, so Charlie xx oh god, where was I going? Um, uh, the she's, le- number, she's one. number one right now in the midweek polls yes in the midweek sales charts yes okay but that might be because this is her last album on her deal with Atlantic if I'm not yeah, mistaken yeah. so they're probably like look, look they're, they're probably investing a lot in marketing that, that does have an effect in the charts so okay he, he's I, th- I think so, but like, so a Sony behind Rosalia, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, but maybe it, UK isn't a territory that they're that no, interested no. in because Latin pop or any kind of pop that has a bit of a Latin or a Spanish flair doesn't really make a, w- make it worth their investment. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, yeah. that thing that they talk about, the ROI, the return on investment. <laughs> Whereas in the US, where the Latino community is so big that they have their own Grammy Awards, you know, in the US rosalia is having the promotional uh, treatment that the massive stars have but uk is a different ballgame yet they are so uh, influential in most of the music in the world aren't they you know?
3: people of tiktok my children love me
1: <laughs> sorry i get massively distracted what, what, what
3: i wanted to say is that it's a big major label album right and it's going to number one crash yeah. and she, yeah crash sorry <laughs> and um she is leaning into that she's kind of exploring it, and I think it's made the album slightly bland yeah i like i there's some really good things like beg for you, I absolutely love it's one of my absolute top tracks of the year I think it's brilliant it's got that kind of two step sound that I adore and uh there are some other really good i i really like the 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 opening song i really like crash um i made some notes here. what else did I really like um I thought. Uh, hang on, hang
1: on. B- While well, we're on Beg For You, which we've just listened to, that's the song that features Rina Sawayama, mm-hmm. who's her friend and is also a queen within the hyper-pop genre. But I think it, it sounds like... You, I like the two-step part, but the, the piano riff sounds like Coldplay's Clocks and uh, the chorus sounds like David Guetta's When Love Takes Over. So it's it's like... look,
2: I, It's it, like a, uh, a remix of um, Cry For You um, of by September, it was like a a very big like Euro pop song yeah. in and the 2000s.
3: Like a meme song in a way, isn't it? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But like the whole
2: thing—that's thing, what I wanted to say. Maybe if you want, I, I can explain okay. it further later. Um, the whole album is like a satire on pop, um, on traditional pop, especially because it's her last album on the record deal with Atlantic, Atlantic or Atlanta? I think it's Atlantic, 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 Atlantic Records. <laughs> um, and and they wanted um, ever since she's been on on this record deal, she's been pushed at least in the beginning to be this kind of super pop star at the level of Ariana Grande and and these big uh, superstars. Mm-hmm. And because she did fancy with Iggy Azalea, and she got the the pop the traditionally pop sound, and then she did Boom Clap and all these pop songs. They wanted to push her in that direction. But at some point, she. Uh, refused to do that and refused to uh, become the brand that Atlantic Records wanted her to become, and and in this last deal, she's she um, I have the explicit quote. She said, um, not explicit in a but literal quote, mm-hmm. um, um, that she wanted to make this album like a an experiment, conducting her own experiment of how far I can push myself in this 2022 pop star characters sa- who signed to Atlantic Records. Like this kind of sellout persona. Uh-huh. And this is what this persona would sound like. And this is what the, she could have done. Like if if she didn't do the hyper pop um, new sounds uh, records she did uh, pre- prior to these ones, mm. this is what she she wouldn't have done if she had listened to Atlantic Records. It's kind of a yeah. the but, whole story. See, see that's
3: all well and good. And that's actually really interesting. Mm-hmm. I think that is really interesting. But like that's there are her core fan base is gonna read that. And they're gonna be like, Okay, I get it. And millions and millions of people are not gonna read that and they're they're not gonna get it. And even like a few years down, I doubt people are going to be like, people are going to be like digging into her fifth album and I don't think they're going to be like, I wonder if she's, you know, if she's experimenting with, with like a parody of what a pop album is.
2: But that doesn't, the fact that it's a parody, it doesn't mean it's not good on its own. Like without the story, you get traditional pop and if you are into traditional pop, you're going to like it. It, it. This proves Charlie, if she wanted to, she could have been the star that we say she's not. And um, like if she wanted to be like a top chart artist, she could have been like she's proving now. Yeah, I can do that if I want to. The thing is, I don't really want to, at, at least not I- before I didn't want to. Now, Now I feel like I want to do it. Look, I can do it and and then she was gonna move to something else
3: but i this is why i think we're going to end up arguing is that <laughs> i don't think she has done it i think there's a couple of really good songs and there's a couple of really really lazy songs on this and like for example um the uh used to know where she uses show me love that is lazy and oh you can, you very lazy use, you can use very. whatever kind of justification you want but that
1: is on your album. That, that is like is one of the biggest like house music tracks that crossed over into pop. Show Me Love. I mean, even when Swedish House Mafia did like an edit or a remix, like just beefing it up to sound more contemporary in the kind of EDM house, uh, even that was like, well, you know, it, it still doesn't, you know, I, I still prefer DJing like the, the classic, what was it, Robin S track. But the, this one, it's, it didn't really bring, I don't know, it just felt a little bit dialed in. I don't think she pushed all the top, especially like how I'm feeling now for me, even though it was a mixtape, it wasn't like mm-hmm. an official album. I think that is one of her best records. That was incredible. Creatively, yeah, yeah. it's like, wow, this she really is the queen of hyper pop. Mm-hmm. Like she's doing it really well. It it fits her. She, I, I I wish she'd continue being a bit more risky rather than playing to the gallery. And which David Bowie famously said, never play to the gallery. Always do your own thing. Believe in yourself. So I don't know. I mean, she's got A.G. Cook on only on two tracks, producing two tracks. One of which also includes Daniel Lopatin uh, from One Tricks Point Never, who's famously also collaborating with The Weeknd, giving him that lovely wonky V8 test tape kind of synth, uh, you know, texture to that kind of 80s uh, sound. Uh, that was one of the more interesting tracks on the album. What's the name of that song? Every Rule, Every Rule, and it's a ballad. Mm-hmm. And I like A.G. Cook when he does when he produces ballads because, I don't know, he, he, they, they could be Disney, but at the same time, they've got that edge, especially with the one o tricks trick point never. But yeah, I wish you would have been a bit more hyper. I thought, I mean, like the, the Janet Jackson influence influence on this is
3: massive. At times, it just feels like a sort of... Yeah, the funky guitar you know? that, bing, well, and all that. Well, and like, stabs. And I like that. And, and again, like the opening... The Opening song Crash, I really liked, which kind of leans into that. But, like, for example, New Shapes, which has got Christine and the Queens and Caroline Polachek on it.
4: Yeah,
2: that's and it's, a, a super good one. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. I, yeah, I think you don't like pop. Maybe <laughs> I <laughs> love pop. Uh, I
3: absolutely love pop music
2: <laughs> because maybe that's the problem. Like, you, it's not like you no, don't, no, like, no, the like, you don't I, like I the think genre.
3: Beg For You is absolutely brilliant. I think Beg For You is a 10 out of
1: 10 smash. Yes, yeah. like even though it's got that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I just think of people getting married in Ibiza, listening to that song, like, yeah, this is the anthem, you know. <laughs> but because of when love takes over, I just can't get it out of my head. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm poisoned. Sorry, I, I interrupted you
3: before that. What were you going to
1: say?
2: No, because if I start, I'm going to go in a tangent, and and I will take longer. So if you want, we can stay in. Okay, yeah. On your rundown, Ben. Yes. Your
1: rundown. You had more notes. Uh,
3: yeah, th- there are certain moments, right? Mm where she does really interesting new things like there's one song um that uses i'm trying to find god my notes are really oh, there, there we go lightning i thought was a brilliant mm-hmm. song i love
2: that one yeah yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. um there's a bit where like it's got this flamenco guitar on it hmm. and there's this lovely moment where like the auto-tune vocal follows what the flamenco guitar is doing and i think that's really brilliant it's really original um and um every rule the song we were talking about Winotrix adds some things, apparently, and it just didn't really, um, I don't know, just didn't sort of have, I couldn't really notice anything that he had kind of added to it, if you you see what
1: I mean. Well, the texture of the synth, I think. Yeah. His synth, I think he must have, he has those sounds that you kind of go to him for, uh, rather than the whole sort of production thing, I don't know. Yuck is also slow, a slow temple cute song, ideal for those TikTok videos of people doing visually cool things like eating colorful candy mm-hmm. or slurping on live calamari, like those Eww. Korean food Korean TikTokers. Yeah, oh, you've oh, seen please. them. Yeah. I know they're gross, but it's. Is it Isn't
2: your new thing bringing no, the grossest sti- content on the internet? Yeah, like But <laughs> I, I can't
1: like watch it because that's a mixture of like uh, ASMR, and because you hear them. No, <sniffs> no. And you see these girls eating, and, and eating live. Eating live calamari or live little baby octopus, and you see the the tentacles squirming out A, of their A, mouth. You should
3: not eat octopus. Octopus are like is intelligent. Super intelligent. Dogs. And yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah they're, they're gonna come. They're gonna have us,
1: octopus. Well, we, we talked about my octopus teacher. Oh yeah, yeah. How can you <laughs> octopus? I know. I, I haven't. I haven't really eaten octopus since. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Have I you swum
3: it. to the depths of the ocean and? And sort of suggestively fondled an
1: octopus. (laughs) Watching my marriage go to pieces while I'm (laughs) having an affair with an octopus. (laughs) <laughs> Not that bad yet, but yeah, yeah, Yak could be a BTS song, like because Charlie is also a, a, a successful writer for other people. Uh, that she, she, a lot of these songs, she it would have been better if she would have given them to other people, like this one. It's a BTS. But that's song.
2: a very cruel cool thing to say. No, I no, be, and and
1: and her use that money to just keep being more experimental and never mind being this massive pop star. She could she could be like a cool edgy pop star like Bjork or Rosalia yeah, She's, I
2: feel. She is. She, that this album doesn't take her edge away true, true I don't think so at least I don't think so but I just and the cover I hate is amazing.
1: I don't hate but I dislike it when artists are are obviously looking for attention you know
2: but they're artists obviously they're looking they have for to. attention
1: but what I mean is when they're trying too hard like every, obviously an artist has to um, buy for attention but uh to you know to sell their songs you know that's what they're doing it for for us to enjoy but I think she's always trying to be in two places at the same time. She's trying to hang out with the cool, edgy kids, but at the same time, she wants to be played in, in, in theme parks and uh, every store you go into. Uh, it's a nice thing, but usually it doesn't always work out. You either, you have to choose. But Too uh, mainstream uh, for uh, the cool kids. This is kids the
2: first to... time she's done it. Like, she's done, like, the radio sound in a long time. Like, mm-hmm. since the first album she put out. Like, the the albums in between she didn't expect to be played in in mainstream or like pop too. It's obviously not, it was too far, too advanced for its time. She didn't mm. expect to be a radio hit. Um, or maybe she did because she trusted people too much. But mm. um, in this one, if you're the kind of Charlie fan that was into the hyper pop and thing mm-hmm. of her not being like this kind of sellout, you're a kind of charlie fan that is into her enough to see that this is kind of a satire and 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 kind of of her way of be of making this fun like making fun of being a a sellout and and she said it in many interviews like i love being a sellout like in a kind of joking way and i like that too i think
3: in a way like she's almost um victim of her own success because I think this is like a 7 out of 10 album. Mm. Like, it's good. And some of it is really good. Mm. Um, and if, like... I'm trying to think. If, like, quite a minor pop star... I'm trying to think of a minor pop star, put it out. You'd be like, yeah. Yeah, nice. But, like, Charlie XX, I think she's shown she can do so many different things, yeah. so many interesting things. She's shown she's got such an interesting vision of pop that, um... It, I don't feel totally kind of sold on it, which is a bit unfair, really, you know. But, I mean, I guess by your own standards. Also, I find it really interesting because, like, how many people, how many pop singers, stars, singers, artists, Mm. get to their fifth album? Normally, they're either huge or they're gone. Yeah. And, oh, it drops. And she's neither, which I think is, oh, yeah.
2: Yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. This is my point, exactly. Um, no, no, continue. No, that's I, it, I, that's uh, all I
3: got, that's all I got. Because,
2: no, because <laughs> what you were saying, like, she's neither, she's like in an in-between world of not being completely gone, but also not being the top chart artist that you would ask some random on the street, um, who is your favorite artist, or do you know Charlie X?" and maybe people wouldn't really know how to answer, or wouldn't say her name, and... And that's um, the thing I uh, I like about her because maybe we were expecting of her um, to do more hyper-pop or, like, we already fitted her into that mold. And and that's what she said, and Rosalia also said something similar when explaining about um, her new album. And, it, it's like, she's not going to do hyper-pop again because her thing is breaking the mold. And when it's broken, like, once she's done the job of... um. Managing to introduce a sound that was kind of underground to the mainstream because she's in this in between mm-hmm. and she has the power to have some mm, say in the mainstream while not being in it because she's also into the underground sounds. Mm-hmm. She she creates this bridge. Like for example, she was one of the top, um, well, one of the f- or the first um, artists in in this kind of mainstream to work with PC music and then mm-hmm. Sophie um actually she's worked a lot with um Sophie and I think pop two is mainly done mm. by sophie and and her and and she dedicated um crash to Sophie in an mm. interview she said and A.G. Cook is like her creative creative director or was or whatever yeah and and after that, after she's worked with these people and and made a lot of songs with them then um the the Rihanna also worked with them like other. Mainstream yeah. artists yeah. work with them. And then slowly after she put out these sounds and, and and an artist that was considered kind quote unquote mainstream um began to put out room room and stuff like that. Um hyper pop slowly became a thing. Like, oh this is a sound we can kind of digest. It took a, a long time for people. For example, when Pop 2 came out, it, it flopped. Like no, that yeah. didn't do anything. But now you listen to it and and you see the people she worked with um, in each song, and you see, she was so ahead of her time, she, yeah. she, she, and, and it's now considered, and it's critically acclaimed, but it wasn't when it came out. So She goes a step further than everybody else to break like, the mold or, or the barriers that can be just to create this bridge, for the future, to be able to, to create these new sounds for the mainstream. Like she did she, That's why she's credited many times as the kind of creator of HyperPod. Hyperpop, not PC music, but hyperpop as the mainstream version of PC music. Yeah. And, and that's what she did. And that's why she's not interested in, um, in continuing on of doing that because she already created the genre. That she said, um, it feels less exciting for me to play within that space. I need to find what's next for me. What, I, what is the sound that can quite be cate- categorized? You know, mm-hmm. like she, she wants something that's not done yet. And once it's done... She leaves it for people who enjoy it and and then goes to look for something else and now she's doing this this pop sound because she's doing the the last Atlantic record, but I think the next one when she's kind of on her own and her own label or i don't know um what she'll do but she it will i know it will be a a sound that that's completely new and and that's what makes what that's what it's impossible for Charlie to be a pop diva. Understood as in the Beyonces, the Lady Gagas, mm-hmm. and she's always in this in between. But it's an in between that we need, and and I don't think neither of them are better than the other because we need these bridges, and Charlie XCX is, is the bridge um, of 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 this representation of underground town and mainstream, and to have new sounds in the mainstream, we need the Charlie XCXs, and 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 that's amazing, and I love her for for that, and being in this in between doesn't mean she doesn't have an audience who
1: are who are her fans
2: Exactly uh, she what has an audience <laughs> and and uh, she's um but to me it's it's the best um target of audience you can have and it's obviously the only people with criteria and uh, <laughs> and who the have audience. fun yeah who have the energy to um, to seek for these new sounds and embrace them. And, and who make also possible that this bridge exists because if yeah. she was by herself and no one paid attention to her, who would um, care in the mainstream to listen it to it um, too? And that's the girls, the gays and the dems. And that's... And the who? <laughs> the dems, the non-binary people, them, they them.
1: Oh, hang on, new word for Boomer <laughs> here, the them yeah. they them, Oh, them, as in they, the, the... they, them. They, like them. my
2: pronouns are they, them, because yeah. I don't identify n- with neither um, binary. So, so yes, them. They, they, the girls that is and uh, the, the girls, the, the, the gays, and, and the them. them's. The
1: them's. Yeah. Okay. I. Maybe. I'm gonna I'm gonna WhatsApp my mum now to <laughs> tell her. Look, look, yeah, that's we've we've got new things to say. Hang <laughs> on. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, how to not make a fool out of ourselves when we're dealing with the younger people. Okay.
2: Yes. Um, <laughs> so the them's
1: and the gays and, and the, the gays <laughs> and the girls. Yes. Um,
2: and that the people who have the criteria and have the, the to see and and Charlie and be and be supportive of her and and make possible that sometime in the future, the sound that she's producing, whenever she does um, stuff, becomes mainstream. And um, I'm trying to explain, my point today is trying to explain a bit what is this gay um, stan culture that basically goes on on Twitter. That's where it ah, basically moves, okay. I think, well, to me. And and I saw, well, I, there was like a meme on Twitter a few I don't know when it started, but it was like a thing um, that really encapsulates and represents what this stan culture um, is. And it said, gay people, when the worst song you've ever heard comes on, and it was like a picture of RuPaul looking like fascinated and super (laughs) intrigued. And it really is like sometimes the music that is like in stan culture, it really does sound like the worst song you've ever heard, but at the same time... At the same time, it's, like, the best song. Like, you put some arca sounds and noises and and you have, like, a a gay person or a stun person losing losing their Ah. mind. Like, yeah, this is the best song I've ever heard. And it just sounds of, of... Drugs and and things exploding, (laughs) but
1: it's because it's the best fun ever. This is something I've always uh, loved about hanging, especially when you go to one of those nights, uh, drag queen nights or whatever. This love for the for the gaudy, for the terrible, Mm. you know, for a bad song or for a bad spectacle. Ah, the the cheesier, the better. The more quiche, the better. It's a lot of fun, you know, if you don't take things too seriously. Sorry, continue.
2: Yeah, then and um, stand culture. I don't know how to n- name it. Um, also includes like mainstream artists. I'm not gonna say like it's only for super underground sounds because obviously there's a lot of um, people. Um, Having like like little monsters like the Lady Gaga fans mm-hmm. or Arianators and all of that, but it, it also is the, a very important part of this culture is the very niche audience that looks for these different sounds that um, differ from the norm and what we're used to listen to in the radio because you can see the parallels of being from in a collective or or I don't know how you call it um that's not the norm and needing for sounds that are not the norm like. I don't think an, a straight person who is in a frat house and is named Kyle really needs these <laughs> sounds that break the mold. Like I, I think he's okay with listening to Diplo until he dies. Kyle, Kyle's,
3: <laughs> I'm clipping this up uh, and it's going online right now. You know where your abuse is I have is the gaze on go. my side. So let's I'm only joking. Please be, please be polite online, everyone.
2: And <laughs> please be nice. <laughs> But, yes, I think the best example to kind of encapsulate what I mean by um this stun culture that goes on on twitter and and makes sounds that maybe are not still digestible for the mainstream um have like a bit more attention and thanks to Twitter and these people um it's and it represents that it also is the craziest, most fun part of the internet being part of 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 this um kind of a stand culture is when in 2020 or 2021, I don't really remember because the concept of time is not a thing for me anymore. <laughs> um, we uh, on Twitter people became obsessed with Emily Montes, who is a five-year-old girl with a five-minute album that I swear it encapsulates the perfect, uh, it encapsulates perfectly the essence of the internet and, and also this electro um, hyper pop also kind of um, sound like it's a level of irony so big it's not irony at all like to me it was one of the greatest albums of the year Uh, it was like an accidentally genius pop nightmare extravaganza and people became obsessed with it on the internet and and that's and that's why and this audience is so important. <laughs> and that's Charlie's audience as well. Like Emily Monte's audience is Charlie's audience and it's a-, a lot of other artists like arca and oh, stuff like that. <laughs> but this reminds
1: me of you you probably weren't even born yet. Uh Amar. remember Jordi the French? Dude du, oh, that's Dude that's awful. Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, it was this little 5-year-old or 4-year-old French boy and they and the parents would take him to all these like TV obviously in France it was a hit and all over Europe they'd take this kid on tours like visiting t- uh, TV TV studios to Playback or perform this this one hit, which I don't think is a healthy thing for such a but young child. I hope. Emily yeah, is, I, I
2: hope there's not parents involved in Emily Montes. Um, well, songs. I hope the
1: parents are involved. Well, yeah, but, but,
2: but it's it, you can tell it's I don't know. I think she's kind of a genius. Like it's like a band, uh, the thing you got in your in your iPad or in your computer that comes with an Apple. Computer like bandcam. It's not band cam It's called band something. Garage band. Garage, Garage band. band. Yeah. <laughs> and and you can tell she did some with something with that. Then got her boys on it, and she kind of. Has the uh, great lyrics like she, she has this kind of um, existential dread, but also like things about <laughs> I don't know the coronavirus and stuff. Oh my god! I, I, I really, really enjoyed that album, and I listened it, to it again when writing this because I I remember it, and and it's the best five minutes of of my day last uh, yesterday.
3: Well, funnily enough, this kind of taps into King Richard, what we're going to be talking about later, doesn't it? Because you know, detect
1: it is- your talent in your in your kids the talent in your kids young and start them off, no?
3: I mean, I hate the idea of like Emily Montez's parents to like just sort of, yeah. em- Emily's there like watching TV and they're like, Emily, it's been a, been a while since your last song, you know, yeah, where that, that last album was a banger. Where, where, <laughs> what, do you, what do you come up with next? I'm, I'm just watching TV, mum. No, Uh-oh. Emily, you're not. <laughs> I've got, no, no, they're probably really nice.
1: I mean, Montes, don't know. Does she have a YouTube channel or anything? Because you know that the, uh, uh, one of my <laughs> Does friends... she have a YouTube channel? My God. I, now it's it's becoming so normal, especially in America. Wasn't that, yeah. they even parodied it in that show we talked about, the Julie Delpy TV show, uh, series, uh, where one of the mothers is trying to turn her kids into, like her family into one of these influencer families that post their life on YouTube and they get, and they get all these hits. And a, f- a friend of mine's daughter is hooked on these children mm-hmm. YouTubers, oh, yeah. who all they do is unbox toys and like just be in their normal room playing. And and this th- this girl is super hooked on these girls doing what she does, which is I don't know if it's healthy or something. I don't know. I'm, I I looked at it like I don't know. Anyway, sorry, uh, Emily Montes, um. twenty seven thousand
3: subscribers to her YouTube channel.
2: Yeah, she's not, <laughs> not that bad. viral because. <laughs> the people who listen to her are like 30-year-olds 30, 30 or 20-something-year-olds on Twitter and... Th- She's not really for kids. She's for the girls and the gays, and they don't really. <laughs> and the them. <laughs> and the them, and they don't really watch the kids content, <laughs> but listen to to the music that she created in her genius, accidentally genius mind.
1: It's not like she made a baby shark too. She's like actually making Olivia Rodrigo songs, no? In no a, in like a twisted... Arca and. Uh, oh my god!
2: Mega hyper pop, yeah. So,
1: wait, there's so, but it's just one song we're talking about, yeah? No,
2: it's uh, a five minute album. Like it's. A 16 second song, uh, oh my God. a 40 second song.
1: Uh. Yeah, but wasn't that becoming a thing on TikTok from artists like there was Alien Tango, Alien Tango, uh, who's a, I think he's from Murcia, but he's based in London. He did a TikTok album which were like 16 second songs and they would each have their video. Mm-hmm. And it was, and I think it was kind of becoming another sort of thing yeah, where artists would make it. these.
3: Hmm? I think Tierra Whack did did
2: it. Tierra album. Whack have yeah, done it songs, you, you know, and it's like
1: an album. Albums made for a TikTok. Well, oh, Emily Montes is definitely up there now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sixteen seconds.
2: Sixteen
1: seconds songs. I'm I'm for it if it. I'm, I'm up for that.
2: You you should listen to it after we finish um, recording. You're gonna love it. I'm definitely going <laughs> to.
3: Okay, I want to ask a thing about Charlie XCX, right, and, uh, and uh, her fan base. Her fan base seems very devoted, right? They also seem a little
4: bit harsh. Is mm. that right?
3: I mean, I, I I don't, you know, I'm sure they love her on that, but they do seem to be a bit harsh. And this all kind of uh, came to a head in the uh, sort of theme of meet and greets. And Charlie XCX has said oh. uh, that she, you know, she doesn't, she's fine with it. Absolutely no problem with it. Um, but basically, what happened, I mean, you you know more than me, like 2019, she was doing these meet and greets with fans, and people were like bringing things like an urn with uh, a his dead mother's family's ashes. Yeah, dead, dead and, a, and a douche for her to sign.
1: A douche, like the little the little, uh, the little uh, sponge that's yeah. used for intimate areas. Yeah. Yes. The douche and
2: bag. poppers and stuff.
1: Yeah, and she said she was absolutely fine with it, but there were other reports which... Sort of said that's. Not. I mean, because was it becoming a thing? Like, oh, just take the most weird thing yeah. to go and meet her and have her sign it. And basically, there are very various articles that are saying that people
3: were kind of being abusive towards her um, because they're bringing along these kind of articles for her to bring. And then she said, "No, no, no, I'm a- I'm absolutely fine with it." But I know she has recently quit social media, so.
2: The thing I, is, I yeah. don't know. I, I stand done with what I said that it's the best audience, but at the same time, um, this audience like this stand culture and um, the level of post irony and um, this kind of hu- internet humor can get a little bit out of hand and you can just straight up bully your favorite person and be like oh no it's kind of, it's a joke it's like internet language we speak like that i think it's like you have to know the boundaries and mm. and like maybe it's it was like a fun idea of thinking, oh, what if Charlie signs whatever? But also, like, I don't know, not every joke (laughs) or everything you can think of, like, oh, it's so insane and and it can be funny. Maybe it doesn't really translate when it comes out, like in the real world. Like someone um, also said something about like a negative thing about Charlie. I don't know if it was like to catch her attention or something and mm. and she really took it in a wrong way and, and mm. like kind of responded in the anger of of reading that tweet and and she got Charlie got a lot of backlash actually, and I think it's the reason she quit for a while, like okay this, these comments are really getting to me, even though they're supposedly from fans or people who are into me, so i I'm just gonna step back for a while. Yeah,
1: but I read that other article, I think it was in The Guardian, where they were saying like how hard it is for pop stars nowadays that they have to constantly be online and constantly be engaging and funny and bright and in in their persona, Mm -hmm. shall we say. And it's a dangerous thing because before there were social media, artists would do their three month campaign or whatever before going on tour. It was a different kind of time structure. But this constantly, constantly like being on there and stuff, it's not good for their mental health and that's why she says she quit even though she has a person dic- uh, she dictates to a social me- a community manager which that to me is not being off social media like being off no that's the okay range. it's being off you're not reading what the backlash or whatever but you're still uh, i need to post i need to post something on twitter and here type this i think it's quite a healthy way to do it actually yeah but the the, the ideal thing would be look just take just t- stay off it and just promote in within a calendar through, I don't know. Uh, yeah, but it, yeah,
2: A&R. it's the bad part is that there's different types of artists yeah. and a few of them can afford not having social media because it's part of the character not having social media. But I feel like Charlie's character a big chunk of it is being this kind of relatable person, like kind of she could have been part of Stan Twitter. She could have been part of this culture because she's one of us. And for example, I'm thinking about Mitski. I don't think she has social media at all. Or if she has, it really, you can tell, is someone in her PR team just posting the poster of yeah. her new album or the tour dates or whatever. Mm. And it's, you wouldn't expect Mitski to be writing tweets and, and engaging and stuff. It's kind of her character, and and, and you like her for that as well. But if you're Charlie and you step out of Twitter and TikTok and stuff that you could really imagine her being part of if she wasn't an artist, it's kind of dangerous. Like, I would be afraid to if I was her. Like, what if I'm, I lose like my engagement, my m- yeah, part people stop? Forget yeah. about me. Yeah.
1: yeah. Like, Tesney Hawks. I read this morning that there was an article about Chesney Hawkes who was a one-hit wonder kind of late 80s pop star massive in the UK and you know he's he's just getting on with it you know he's 50 years old he still plays in some of these uh heri- what do you call them heritage tours heritage fashion, playing yeah. with uh, Jason Donovan and with uh Tiffany an artist from the EMF Unplugged EMF <laughs> Unplugged <laughs> that is that that it's really heartwarming because sometimes he played Butlin's <laughs> What's Butlins Ben? Is it is like a store or is it No
3: Butlins is a holiday camp. It's like, a, like, like, holiday. like the weekender but not oh, but... as nice.
4: Wow. it's not that bad though.
1: You know, they're playing you know, you're entertaining people, you know, it doesn't matter if you're in some crappy pub on the outside of town or in you know the the the, the Brixton Academy um I, I don't know where I was going with this I just thought oh how nice Chesney Hawks he's still looking good he's got three kids he was uh, you know people still like to listen to the one and only his that famous hit um before we move on yeah. cause I
3: think we are about to move on um can I just do a bit of uh, plugging yes we have got a a mix coming up on Radio Primavera Sound in on Thursday the 7th of April by a DJ called Lynx, Um, and uh, I quote, this mix is 55 minutes of unapologetically queer club-ready tracks to get you in the mood to dance, and it starts off with an unreleased Charlie XCX song. (gasps) Whoa.
2: Now you sold me.
1: Mm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. (laughs) What? How did he get an unreleased Charlie XCX? Does he... Is it a he or a she or a they? Uh, Let's go with they. They are they close to Charlie XCX? I guess so. If they've gotten an unedited song,
3: uh, to be honest, I think you, it's a song you can find quite easily on the internet. Okay,
2: no, don't tell you that. <laughs> uh, it's not easily found anywhere,
1: nothing is easily found,
3: but it's where whether it is or not, it's an absolutely brilliant mix, and I thoroughly recommend it. And if you like Charlie XCX, uh, you'll really, really like it.
1: Let's listen to another cut from Crash. <laughs>
0: I'm looking and you blow me away. I'm spiraling all over the place. So lifted got me reach of the gray's body off the ground. Caught me by surprise. Like seeing shooting stars in the sky. There's danger in the dark of your eyes. But something about you breathed me to life. Got me here and now.
1: is a peng tune that's a banger and i like her i like her voice i like how recognizable charlie xx is you know it's, it's that's why i think she should be a little bit bigger but no, she's there she's there no one's going to take away her cachet she's still got she's still probably paying off a lot of her rent thanks to i don't care you oh, that the, the,
3: she's the, not renting she's bought look come on how much yeah. money would you make from fancy and i yeah, don't right? care yeah. she, she, if she hasn't bought a house she's got a bad financial advisor
1: she must be a proprietor uh, a proprietor I reckon she's got a few houses Yeah, yeah It's the best investment But she hasn't bought in Manresa ah.
4: <laughs>
1: Manresa Where Rosalia bought her Lovely modernist uh, she's, Catalan missing Masia. she's missing out She's missing out Yeah, I wonder if like Manresa's getting like nervous Like, oh Maybe she's going to attract more people To come and buy real estate <laughs> In Manresa um, Anyway uh, Tarly XCX Maybe she's not bigger Because she hasn't focused On one thing Just like the Williams sisters, Serena and Venus, who we're going to talk about. Well, we're not going to talk about them. We're going to talk about the movie King Richard, which is really about their father, Richard Williams, who trained them early on and then managed to uh, manage their career so that they got trained by uh, really, really good professional tennis uh, trainers. And uh, well, we know that that story had an incredible happy ending. What's um, interesting about this film, or the angle they've gone with, is they focus on the father. It's a vehicle for Will Smith to shine. He he does an incredible job. He's super watchable. When he, is he not? Really? I mean, it's almost easy. I don't. He think- was brilliant. I thought totally transformed. Just looked totally different. Totally different. Yeah, I like it when he plays those characters where he sheds the charisma and he has to play this kind of. Well, it. Well, he's a cool dad. As, oh, he, the way he's portrayed is like he is the best father ever, because. Uh, it's not like the typical sports dad that is just like, you have to just focus, focus, focus on tennis. He actually makes a point about them uh, studying other things and engaging in other extracurricular activities. Which was interesting because what I knew of Richard Williams, or what I thought I knew, was that he was quite a controversial figure. Yeah. Right? You. Well, the, and it, it reminded me a little bit of the story of Tiger Woods' his father. Who was also infamous in 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 those in those ambiances? Because especially when Tiger Woods became super big, the father really started behaving a little bit erratically in these places—golf clubs, golf cl- uh, golf awards and stuff. All these ceremonies where people would come in dressed in tuxedos and being really formal, and Tiger Woods' father would come in a in a tracksuit, drunk, you know, with his belly hanging out and just like not giving <laughs> a, you know, uh, where it, well William King Williams sorry, King Williams. Richard Williams uh, doesn't reach those lows, but but there's a scene where he's negotiating with some agents. And it's like he does the best things ever. Like There's all these people like trying to lure them in with with all these offers of money and he's like, no, 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 we're not going to be doing that. Not yet. They're not ready. They're not ready. So the movie is a bit like a very expensive, uh, well-shot motivational video. I
2: thought he was... I haven't seen the movie and I don't really know much about um, the story behind how they got this professional stuff but i don't know why i i got the sense that he was kind of abusive to them i
1: thought that's what it was going to be and And it's not no well not the way he's portrayed in the Uh, film i and i haven't and and because venus and serena produced the movie as well uh, they they haven't said anything otherwise. Like, look, the film is not no no no. They they seem to be very happy with it. Will Smith in his acceptance speech at one of the awards. I don't know if it was the SAG or the Directors Guild Awards. You know, he thanked the sisters for. You know, first of all, when they saw the movie, he was so relieved that they liked it. One thing that's you know the the, the this this guy this the, the Richard Williams he you know Venus and Serena had three other sisters not from. Mm-hmm. Not from okay. him, though, but, you know, from their mother. And one of them, she is, they kind of do put a little bit of focus on her, just a little bit. And I didn't realize, Tunde, she's the sister who tragically was shot in a drive-by in Compton. Oh, geez. And it's the one, she. you know, she was getting really good grades. You know, she was also academically, like, really, really, like, very good. Like, uh, even when the family moved to Florida to continue training, Tunda stayed in LA to continue with her studies because she got into a really good school. So it's like the saddest thing, but they don't they don't mention it in the movie. They don't try and pick on all the sort of events in the in their life in their family life. It just sort of focuses on the father and them on the sisters, the the tennis playing sisters, when they're training in these. Really crappy tennis court in in Compton to when they finally move, they make the move to Florida, and boom, the grand the the grand finale is actually the focus is mainly on Venus. Like, there's a little moment where, yeah, Serena, don't worry, you know, you will have your moment. You're gonna but, be the best of all time, and, and that, that, that's the cool thing. Like, you're watching the movie if you followed sports for the last twenty years, you know that Serena and Venus. Was one of the the most incredible things to happen to sports in general, but it focuses on Venus uh, and the grand finale is her match against Arantxa Sanchez Vicario, and that for Spanish people is very exciting. This movie that is getting a lot of hype and a lot of attention and is. Making tennis fashionable again—the looks, Mar. You have to watch it just for the looks. I know you like the tennis skirt, the, a- the American Apparel te- 2014 <laughs> Tumblr tennis skirt. Uh, the looks are amazing. There's even a point where, like, one of the neighbors in Compton yells at Will Smith, uh, King Richard, uh, Richard H- Williams, uh, wear longer shorts because he's wearing short shorts, <laughs> like tennis shorts, like mm-hmm. those retro '80s ones. And it's like his look is like super copyable. Like it's the look for this summer. Uh, and the
3: Rancho Sanchez Vicario is the villain is the villain this they, is what caused the other the other argument with my wife oh she, awesome.
2: so she's um in the movie like and there's an actress playing her. yes yeah and yeah. it's
1: so funny mar because like there's w- she only has one line of dialogue when she's like suffering against this 14 year old tornado that's venus williams who's just pounding her right i don't know how about tennis rules and stuff how it goes but obviously the way it's montaged oh and another thing that's amazing is these actresses Serena is played by Demi Singleton, and Venus is played by Sania Sydney. These girls learnt how to play tennis for the movie. Oh, I wondered. And w- w- they even had to learn the uh, to be ambidextrous. Uh, oh, yeah, they yeah. they had to learn I can't remember if, what they're left-handed or right-handed., uh, but they had to learn the opposite hand, right? Uh, obviously, they, they edited a lot, you know, to, to really give you the illusion that, wow, these girls really slay at tennis, right? So that's that alone... Like, my girlfriend's like, oh, it's not that hard for young kids to learn anything. It's like, it takes me ages to learn anything. I can't play mm. nothing. You know, it, t- it takes me, like, m- Japanese masters. They say, you never learn how to make sushi until you've been doing it for 10 years. That's my case. Not like these Serena and Venus. Anyway, <laughs> sorry, Aranta Sanchez Vicario. So the only one line of dialogue she has, it's like in a Mexican accent.
2: <laughs> I was going to say, does she have an accent?
1: <laughs> yeah. It's only once, but it's like, that doesn't sound like Barcelona uh-huh. Spanish, or <laughs> I can't remember. She's
2: like, it's it's miss, uh, it's impossible,
1: or I can't remember what. Can't yeah, remember yeah, 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 what, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm incident. looking,
2: and the actress is Mexican. It's so. it, it's a
1: Mexican actress, fair enough, but still the Mexican actress. Yeah, but can, she, they the,
2: could have, yeah, recreated re, the, the there action. Yeah.
3: There's that's <laughs> just one brilliant bit that I really really liked when um, she's playing Arancha Sanchez Vicario. Um, and basically because obviously the, the film is focused on, on, on the Williams and you're really really rooting for Venus Williams she's 14 she's in her first like really big match you're like come on you can you can do it and there's is one bit where they like go <laughs> focus in on a group of Aranjo Sanchez Vicario supporters wearing like their Spain garb and it's like yeah. <laughs> it's like they're like bad people here are the bad people here are the boo bad. them don't vote for
4: them <laughs> it's really really funny uh, <laughs> I mean I'm glad
1: they didn't at least put the Mexican flag you know <laughs> the, sombrero, yeah, the sombrero. And Will Smith <laughs> comes to Spain loads of times. It's like, come on, man. You know, you could have... Anyway, but uh, obviously she's, pic- she's pictured like the, the... Not the villain. I mean... Uh, but she is the
3: villain. Yeah, she because is the villain.
1: They kind of suggest that she doesn't cheat, but she does something that, uh, that, you know, a tennis player is allowed to do this halfway through a match. I think you can say
3: what it is. It's not... Is it, it's not a spoiler? Uh,
1: well, she basically... She, she needs to go to the toilet. Or does she? Or does she? Who? Uh, Arantxa Arant- 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 Sánchez Vicario. Mm-hmm. And there's this whole thing about, you know, like, um, breaking the rhythm of a match, right? Which uh, is, you know, fair enough. You know, it's, 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 you know, you're a sports person, you're an athlete. You have to use tactics when you're clearly being killed on the court by this 14-year-old girl. But I thought it was, like, nice to, like, remind the world that, hey, Arantxa Vicario, you know, she won three Grand Slams in a row. You know, she was one of the biggest tennis stars, especially, you know, she, her, she's fallen on such bad luck. You know, her whole family has robbed her, conned her. I don't I, know I if think, you I think that's
3: allegedly, isn't it? Alleged, alleged. alleged.
1: But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's sorry, sorry. Let's not get sued. <laughs> Let's not get sued. But Arantxa Santes Vicario, the story is that oh. all her family has uh, milked her, allegedly or whatever, and there's all this rollo of, like... Uh, properties and stuff that she signed off and and uh, well she's basically uh, ruined by her own family just like like Whitney Houston was or anything yeah else. Uh, which is strange usually been... I don't know coming you know, Barcelona families are usually good at supporting <laughs> each other and stuff I don't know what a cliche sorry me and my <laughs> my boomer cliches but anyway so I thought oh what a cool way to bring Arancha back into the pop cultural discourse and it's like uh, but it's like yeah anyway um, and there's that moment when Venus comes out of the changing rooms before the match begins with her iconic um hair braided in these like silver kind of pearls that iconic look that both sisters rocked and it is such an empowering thing for you know it, Will Smith made this movie cuz he knew that it was going to be a vehicle for him to run for you know be nominated for Oscars it was going to be a success cuz he it's just him being Will in a way that we haven't seen him but it's also an incredible movie to show children all over the world especially you know how they always say black black girls are going to be facing a world where things aren't fair for them they got to work hard to do whatever you know to get to where they want to the opportunities blah 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 and this you know seeing those two girls it's like i would i want to play tennis now, after seeing that movie, you know, yeah. and I'm um, 43. <laughs> it's
2: cool because um, Tanir is kind of viewed as a very wide sport. It's kind of like golf. It's very wide. And but if you see Serena and Venus, like, rocking the braids and stuff and, and being the best at it, 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 I really like that they are the best. Like, it, it really gives, like, an example for black girls and stuff. Like it's, it's like
1: you don't have to like dress down and straighten your hair and, and, and try and be as white as possible. And that's what Richard Williams said. That's why he chose tennis. It's like, I want my girls to succeed in one of the whitest sports mm-hmm. ever because... Socially, you know, uh, so I it plus.
2: was like on purpose. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah oh that. yeah, that's
1: a, that's what I mean about this motivational video. He, he all throughout the movie, it's like we have a plan, family. We have a family plan, and it's like we got to for- support Serena and Venus. We also got to support uh, the other sisters in whatever they do. Uh, Tunde and her academics makes. I don't know. It's like it's it's a very nice portrait of this family, and 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 the and the wife um, played by uh, uh, his wife, Oracine Williams, played by owned. Anjanu Ellis, I think I'm pronouncing it right, Anjanu Ellis. Who's up for a Best Oscar? She's up for a Best mm-hmm. Oscar nomination. You know, there's this wonderful dynamic of husband and wife of like, look, you know, we, we got to think as a family and act as a family and protect ourselves, you know, from all the people trying to lure them with all these sponsorship deals and derailing the sisters or being too hard on them, you know, let's just take things slowly. Oh, there's a beautiful moment where he plays them Cinderella. and uh, Oh, I didn't like that. Oh, well, <laughs> I know, but it's kind of like, look at this guy, like, who... This is the thing I missed in the movie. I wanted more backstory of Richard. Like, yeah, he mentions that he used to get chased around by the Ku Klux Klan and deal with racism as a kid and people punting him and stuff like that. But it's like, yeah, but I want to see the flashbacks. I want to see that this guy who works as a security guard, who, who apparently must have some kind of training... But pro- th- this is... I talent. think I've talked about this before, right? This is the
3: problem. We've all got so used to, like, 12-hour series... Yeah, that, like we demand more because it's a two and a half hour film. It's pretty long. Yeah, and it stops after Arantxa Sanchez Vicario. It stops yeah. after her first line of big, big match. And I was thinking, like, whoa, we don't see Serena. We don't, we don't see, see Wimbledon. Background.
1: Yeah, there's so many things we we we, we you want you want the moments. You know, you want the recreation. You want to see you know like Bohemian Rhapsody, Freddie Mercury at Live Aid, and and they recreate it exactly like you can you can watch it on YouTube. But you want to see it in the movie montage. And they they kind of no no no. Let's just sort of leave it there because you know the rest. Do you know what it
3: reminded me a bit of? It kind of um, my son plays football and like the bits where um, Venus Williams entered her first like junior competition. Like some of the parents there reminded me of some of the parents, <laughs> not of my son's team, but the other teams.
1: Really, that they sc- they shout at their kids like yes. they're Rafa Nadal or yes. something. It's like you yes.
3: failed that. How? Yeah, that you me see sick. that. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I see that.
2: That's the worst audience, like parents at kids um, oh, yeah. matches. They go crazy they and they shout paralyzed. at the referees and they're yeah. super badly yeah. behaved. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. I mean, imagine what
1: John McEnroe's father must have been like. Uh, and there's that horrible
3: moment in the film, isn't there? Where there's this this family walking on with their little girl, like cute, looks like about six years old, and the mother's like,
1: "Are you sure you want to play? You don't look like you want to play. Oh, but yes. I didn't see any evidence you want to." Play. It's like, oh my, God. horrible, horrible. But you know, you kind of do think, you know, all these parents that. Put so much pressure on their children, and they ended up becoming stars, like in the case of the 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 Williams sisters. It got me thinking about Donda West because I ended up watching. I I fin- finally watched the third installment, and Donda West is a great example of a mother, you know, convincing her child that he could do anything he wanted to in life, and that and there is proof. Like if you do it right, you can either turn them into broken children, like Michael Jackson or Luis Miguel. Who 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 are have, have very complicated lives in the end uh, psychologically or and Kanye West, <laughs> but but you know the, the there they are the we, the ween, Venus and Serena are one of the greatest athletes of all time. Kanye is one of the greatest um, Kanyes of all time. <laughs> he <laughs> certainly <laughs> is uh and watching that last donda thing okay i'm i i do not know what i want ah yeah yeah it it showed me it's like damn i'm gonna try and be like this with my daughter like just be super encouraging and like almost to the point of lunacy is like drill into their heads that you can do anything you not only can you you must do something (laughs) not everything like tarley xcx (laughs) (laughs) oh nicely bro Yes. Um, and damn it, there's, that's all we have time that's all, for. No, that's what I was saying, like right back of the right, right, back where we came from. Right, right where we started. This is Beautiful. the joy of listening to the weekly review. <laughs> and we didn't have time to talk about Arcade Fire or Aldous Harding, but we can talk about them next
3: week. Exactly, exactly. So let's play out with Beyoncé's Oscar-nominated absolute banger from uh, that particular so film. This be is alive. Be Alive.
4: I not wipe this black off if I tried That's why I lift my head with pride I got a million miles on me They want to see how far I'll go The path was never made with